He um, started about 14 churches when he was alive, and he wrote a large chunk of the New Testament. Scholars are a bit iffy about how many, but it could be up to 14 books or letters in your New Testament that, uh, that he wrote. So um, he was a massive part of taking the gospel uh, to non-Jews, Gentiles, people that weren't Jews, and he had a huge impact on the, the Roman world. He's kind of like a Bible superhero, really. You have your superheroes. No, but he's, as we were here, he's pretty good. <laughs> he predates Marvel, yeah. Um, so he, he was pretty famous and he was pretty good. How on earth did he do this? Well, it says in uh, Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 12, if you want to know, dear ones, what has happened to me has not hindered me, but helped me of my ministry, in my ministry of preaching the gospel, causing it to expand and spread to many people. So there he is saying that he has uh, been able to preach the gospel to many, many people. So I wonder how he did it. I mean, did he have a super personality that, oh, Paul's in town, we must go and speak to him, hear him speak. Did he do loads of miracles? He did some, but you know, not that many. Maybe he had a highly massive successful campaign and thousands of Twitter followers. I don't know. But he did something great. And he, the clue for Paul's impact is found in the next verse. Two verses. For now the elite Roman guards and government officials overseeing my imprisonment have plainly recognized that I am here because of my love for the anointed one, Jesus. And what I'm going through has actually caused many believers to become even more courageous in the Lord and to be bold and passionate to preach the word of God all because of my chains. Paul was actually in prison for his faith and he wrote this letter to the, the church in Philippi while he was in prison in Rome in about AD 62. What? Imprisonment was helping the cause of the gospel? Get a break. I mean, how on earth? If you're imprisoning your famous preacher, the person that started 14 churches, the person that can go as an apostle and bring order to those churches and, and encourage them, what do you mean sticking him in prisons helping the gospel? He's got to be out there. He's got to be with the people. But do you know what? Some things can only grow, develop, and strengthen in the dark or the dark times. Some things can only develop, grow, and strengthen in the dark or the dark times. For example, we're going to take you on a little bit of a science lesson now. Okay, darkness and plants. Seeds will sprout and germinate faster when they're kept in the dark after sowing. So initially, darkness is required for germination, and later, light is required for growth. Who knows? that you can't have growth without germination. You need germination for a plant to grow. It's only when the seed is in permanent darkness that the dark form of phytochrome, which is a blue-green pigment found in many plants, 
which regulates the various developmental process of the plant. So only when the seed is in permanent darkness can that process be activated long enough to trigger germination. Germination in most plants need dark, usually in the ground. And darkness triggers the seed's germination and unlocks the life of the seed. All agreed? I know some of you will say you'll find a plant that doesn't need it, but generally speaking, Mark Brewer, I'm going to preach this, going to preach this way this morning. Generally speaking, germination requires darkness to trigger it off. Right? Without it, you don't get germination, you don't get life, you don't get growth. That's the start of the process. Well, maybe then the darkness bit is finished with when the plant's germinated and pushed its way up through to the light. You'd be wrong, because I've done a bit of research. And plants grow in darkness. Plants grow fast in the dark, and do so because they operate on a circadian cycle. Look that up if you want. In simplistic terms, it makes sense that plants would grow at night since the daylight activity consists of absorbing light for photosynthesis. Now, I know all about photosynthesis because I can actually quote you the photosynthesis formula because I was so bad in my science lesson, I was told I had to learn that off by heart, and I did. So I know about photosynthesis, and it requires light. So during the day, the plant is far too busy doing the whole photosynthesis thing with light, and actually in darkness, that's when it puts on the most growth with all the stuff from photosynthesis that it's managed to do during the day. Did you know that? I did not know that until I discovered this. It grows more at night darkness again if our lives were all sweetness and light may I dare suggest to you we wouldn't grow much if we never had a problem when we came to Jesus it was the done deal that all your problems are gone never going to have a relational issue you're never going to have a financial issue you're never going to be unemployed you're always going to have sunshine on your holidays if you came to Jesus like that well you know if you came to Jesus on those terms I've got news for you it ain't like that right it's not like that but because if Jesus said oh you're my child I'm just going to make everything super easy for you we would not be very good replicas of Jesus for a start and we would remain baby Christians all of our lives I was praying with you guys last week and I felt I should pray for them because as parents they have to decide what's best for Josh but they also have to decide when you intervene and when you don't and as a parent that is the hardest because you know that maybe in your bank or in your time capacity, or your advice, or you could tell them how to do things differently, you could fix their situation. And sometimes it's right to do that. But other times you have to stand back and let them grow in the dark times. 
where they're thinking, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how God's going to provide. I don't know whether I'm in the right job. I don't know whether I'm marrying the right person. You have to stand back, pray for them, because in those times, themselves, individually, that is when they're going to grow. And unless we let them grow, they're going to be baby children of yours for all of your life, and you'll be changing, metaphorically speaking, nappies till the time you die because they have to grow, they have to stand on their own feet. And as Christians, we need to have our relationship develop and grow with God so that we are not spoiled little spiritual, can I say that, brats? I don't know whether I'm allowed to. Anyway, you know, because, well, this is very difficult, God, you know what I mean? Can somebody help me? And, and some people do that with God and complain. Then they also come to church. And they kind of moan about stuff, so people run around after them and try and fix it. Guys, some things only grow in the dark times. Sometimes you need darkness to make you grow. Who's heard of the little phrase, dark night of the soul? Anybody heard that? It's a little phrase where you kind of, in your life, the whole flipping light's gone off. You don't know where God is. You don't know where you are. You feel rubbish. You just feel like alone. Somebody's turned off the electricity. I haven't got a clue what's going on. Well, I heard this um, definition. That difficult invasion of God's astringent grace that opens us up to new realms of spiritual experience. Now, astringent means a substance causing the skin or other tissue to tighten. So God allows times in our lives where things get a bit tight, get a bit difficult, get a bit can't move, get a bit, oh, this is restricting, get a bit dark, when it's not all kind of, oh, it's amazing, it's amazing. It just feels tight. And in Psalm, you'll find it, God sometimes hems us in. You seamstresses will know that. Hems you in. So you try to go there and you can't. You try to go there and you can't. You try to go backwards, you can't. You try to go, and you feel hemmed in. You feel restricted. God's astringent grace is on your life. And you're like, I don't like it. Often, it's because God's trying to grow you to get you to address certain things Sometimes it's to, to look at him because we've forgotten all about him and he's saying, excuse me, I'm here. It's about time we had eyes on me again. So what do you know? I'm just going to hem you in for a bit until I get your attention. When circumstances box you in, restrict you, cramp your style, things seem to be going, going against you, then this is the time where you can grow the most. Sometimes we need longer in the darkness to germinate and bring life. We need darkness to be longer in our lives to bring about faith, trust, focus, and therefore growth. Has anyone experienced dark times in your life where you can look back and then say, I grew? Yeah? Yeah. Dark times is a growing season time. I don't like seeing disasters on my telly. I don't like seeing people in distress, losing people, losing their property. 
But do you know what? Invariably, when those dark, horrible disasters come, do you know what happens? It brings the best out in people. It brings communities together. Sometimes, even in those things, you can see growth. Things in, of, of places where have had floods and disasters and stuff, I don't think they're ever going to be the same again because the communities come together. Something's grown, something's changed in those dark times. And you know, Paul knew this and he even embraced these seasons. Paul, superhero Paul had these. And you know what? Mr. Marvel's got nothing on this guy. Here is, just in one letter to the Corinthians, here is one description of what he faced, right? Here we go. Five times I've received 39 lashes from the Jewish leaders. Three times I experienced being beaten with rods. Once they stoned me. That's, you know, stones, not in drugs. Right, threw stones at me. Three times I've been shipwrecked. For entire night and day I drifted in the open sea. In my difficult travels I've faced many dangerous situations, perilous rivers, robbers, foreigners and even my own people. I've survived deadly peril in the city, in the wilderness, with storms at sea, with spies posing as believers. I've toiled to the point of exhaustion and gone through many sleepless nights. I've frequently been deprived of food and water, left hungry and shivering, out in the cold, lacking proper clothing. Flipping heck. This is an apostle. Dark times. And then this verse always gets me and besides these painful circumstances I have the daily pressure of my responsibility for all the churches with a deep concern weighing heavily on my heart for their welfare I witness with that <laughs> I witness with that I can cope with everything that's going on in my life but I hate seeing people you guys struggling and stuff so I, tr I try and help where I can but you know, the pressure of how so-and-so doing in this difficult situation. What they're doing about their finances. Has God come through for them yet? Because as a spiritual parent, I want to kind of come along and say, well, you know, it's 50 quid, go and do that, you know, do that. Or let me find you a job or whatever. And sometimes as a spiritual parent, I have to kind of say and pray, God, cause them to look to you. You do it in their lives. They're going to be stronger Christians. They don't need me sorting it out. And sometimes... The pressure of that far, I think, outweighs some of that stuff that he has just... Because you, you read the letters he wrote to some of the churches he started. The Corinthians, what a flipping mess. He had to tell them off about this. And look, this is, what you, this is how you're supposed to behave. Packing, doing that. You know, and then he encouraged... He had the pressure of all those churches. And I know exactly what it feels like. Not that I've got 14 of them. But... Um, this is a guy who knew dark times. The Philippian scripture was written when he was a prisoner and he was a prisoner willingly. He walked into that situation. And if you're taking notes, Acts 20 verse 23 tells us that he goes to Jerusalem knowing that the Holy Spirit has warned him that chains and afflictions are prepared for you. Now, the Holy Spirit wasn't telling him to say, don't go, because it didn't, he didn't, the Holy Spirit didn't say, chains and afflictions are ahead of you in Jerusalem, so don't go. No, he says, you're going, but I'm just telling you, chains and afflictions are ahead of you. And Paul went, yeah, okay, fine, that's where I'm supposed to go. Acts 21, verse 10 to 14, gives an account as a, of a believer with a prophetic gift uh, called Agabus, 
and he actually gets hold of Paul. He gets him by the ankles and says, Paul, don't go, because the Holy Spirit's told me you're going to get arrested. Heads up, mate, it's a terrible time. You're going to go right into conflict. You're going to get arrested. It's going to be awful. Thinking that I've just built the word of the Lord to him, he's now not going to go. And Paul says, thanks for that confirmation. God's already told me there's hassle ahead. There's dark times ahead, but he's also told me I've got to go. When he gets there, Jews falsely accuse Paul of breaking the religious laws and they set on him, they cause a riot and about to kill him when the commander of the Roman garrison steps in with a large number of officers and soldiers and arrests him and keeps him in prison for over two years. Dark times, restricted. Paul knows that he's never going to get out of there because all they're wanting is, is money off him to bribe him. So he appeals to Caesar. So he has to go to Rome because he's a Roman citizen. He spends a further two years in house arrest under guard because he's gone to Rome. He is in prison. He's willingly gone. He knows dark times are coming. But oh my word, we read it at the beginning. Let's just refresh ourselves, our memories. What results came from him being in prison? Verse 13. For now the elite Roman guards, he says, and government officials are overseeing my imprisonment, have plainly recognised that I'm here because of my love for the anointed one. Now these elite Roman guards I've looked up, these were the Praetorian guard that was a body of about 10,000 of them, specially selected soldiers who were in Rome who guarded the empire. They were the, the emperor's bodyguards. And he's saying, even these guys now that have been sent to guard me, they know about Jesus. How would they have known if he hadn't been a prisoner? His reputation was known throughout the entire city. Amazing this, even at the, as a reference at the end of Philippians, get this, right? This is Paul closing off his letter. Philippians 4.22. The converts from Caesar's household send their greetings. What did I just say? The converts from Caesar's household. Because he's in prison. And there's these gods who are guarding Caesar. They're carrying the same message to all the household of Caesar and they're coming to faith. How could that have happened if Paul wasn't in prison? Dark times bring growth. So he was impacting unbelievers from his dark prison time. Verse 14 says, and what I am going through has actually caused many believers to become even more courageous in the Lord and to be bold and passionate to preach the word of God all because of my chains. So even Christians were now motivated by the fact that Paul was in prison and hearing about his courage and hearing about he's not watering down his faith and hearing about because of his faith people in Caesar's household and palace are becoming Christians they don't go ooh well if you're a Christian you might get chucked in jail I'm resigning as a Christian no they said wow God can do that even in those dark times 
I'm going to double my efforts to live for Jesus and whatever he brings my way, even if it's dark times, I'm sticking with Jesus and I have more faith in Jesus and I'm going to have him, see what impact my little life has on everyone else. So he was impacting believers from his dark prison cell. We know from material in the other books he writes, 1 Timothy, Titus and 2 Timothy, that Paul was released eventually. He preached several years uh, and perhaps went all the way to Spain. We don't know, but Romans 5.24 might suggest that. Before being imprisoned again. The exact details of Paul's death are unknown, but tradition holds that he was beheaded in Rome and thus died as a martyr for his faith. His death was perhaps part of the execution of Christians ordered by the Roman Emperor Nero following the great fire in that city. His dark times happened again. After he was released, after he was released, he went off preaching. He didn't think, well, I've done four years in prison. I've had that whole list of all that hardship. I think I could retire from having to do ministry and get locked up again. No, he didn't. As soon as he was released, he was out there preaching, visiting the churches that he'd started, encouraging them. And even Paul would have embraced dying for Jesus as an honor. When they were going to behead him, he didn't deny Jesus. He said, if he died for me, I'm dying for him. Because he knows what we know. That is not the end. That is just the beginning. A long way to... If you read your, the, the, the books that he, he wrote, he's kind of like, oh, I'd love to be with Jesus, but I need to be here for you lot. Oh, I'd love to die, for me to die is gain because I can be with Jesus, but I need to be here for the churches. He was like ready to go because he wanted to have time with Jesus. Paul experienced such dark times, but God brought so much growth and life through these dark times. Some things can only grow strong in the dark. Things can be tested to breaking point in the dark, but they come out stronger. Stronger. You see, even Jesus went through a very dark time in Gethsemane. Let's read the scripture together, Matthew 26, 36 to 42. Then Jesus led his disciples into an orchard called the oil press, and he told them, sit here while I go over to pray there. He took Peter Jacob and John, James. Okay, yeah, it is. But I didn't. Re- I didn't. Re- I just copied that off. BibleGateway.com. Brilliant. Go use it. You can look at all the versions. This is from the Passion Translation, obviously. Anyway, he took his three guys, closest guys, with him. However, an intense feeling of great sorrow plunged Jesus' soul into deep, soul into deep sorrow and agony. And he said to them, my, fa- my heart is overwhelmed and crushed with grief. It feels as though I'm dying. Stay here, guys, with me and keep watch with me. Then he walked a short distance away and was overcome with grief. He threw himself face down on the ground and prayed, My father, if there's any way you can deliver me from this suffering. Remember, he's about, he knows he's about to go and be crucified for us. Please take it from me. Yet what I want is not, more, is not important. For I only desire to fulfill your plan for me. Then an angel from heaven appeared to strengthen him. Later he came back to his three disciples and found them asleep. Jesus' most dark time, he picks the three disciples he thinks he can rely on, tells them what he's going through, and they take the opportunity to go to bed early. For goodness sake. 
I don't know what I would pour. Yeah, glad it wasn't me, Jesus, because I'd have woken them up. So he says to them, do you lack the strength to stay awake with me for just one hour? Keep alert and pray that you'll be spared from this time of testing because he knew what was going to happen to him and them. You should have learned by now that your spirit is eager enough but your humanity is weak. Then he left them for a second time to pray in solitude. He said to God, my father, if there is not a way that you can deliver me from this suffering, then your will must be done. Jesus had a massive dark time. He'd volunteered to come. Of course he had. He knew the, the, the time at the beginning where the devil tempted him after he'd been uh, baptized. He knew he was up against stuff. He knew where, why he was coming. He knew he'd be betrayed. He knew he would be arrested. He knew he would be punished and afflicted and bashed about and then nailed to a cross for doing absolutely nothing wrong. He knew it. But when it came to this point... I'm about to be arrested. This was a dark time for Jesus because he's like, this is it. Father, is there any way there's a plan B? Because it's looking pretty dark for me at the minute. No plan B. Plan A is there. And Jesus went through that for us. And uh, these dark times strengthened Jesus' resolve to keep walking the path marked out for him and win us salvation, forgiveness, and eternal life. Yes? Look pleased about that. Jesus was even buried in a rock or cave grave, which when they put the stone over the front, it would have been dark. Two or three days of darkness to germinate resurrection life because he came back from the dead because Satan could have nothing on him because he had never sinned. John 12, 24 says, let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies, goes into darkness because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat all because one grain died. See, there it is again darkness producing life and multiple lives so one seed goes into the ground darkness dies germinates plant comes out produces many many more seeds okay judith well that's that's very nice but what about us how on earth does this relate to us well, Luke 9.23, the good news is, Jesus said to his followers, if you truly desire to be my disciple, you must disown your own life completely, embrace my cross as your own, and surrender to my ways. If we're following Jesus, we are going to follow him by taking up our own cross, denying ourselves. We are called to die to ourselves and to live for Christ. That tells me that it's not all going to be sweetness and light. Yeah? Good news, isn't it? But we have to face, take up our cross and face hard times, dark times. And, but these dark times can be times of growth, strengthening, and God will do amazing things through them in our lives like he did through the Apostle Paul. So I want to leave you with very four very quick things of what to do when it goes dark. 
when you get to a dark time, okay? These are four things. There are many more, but these are just the four I thought about. Four, one, recognise it's a dark time. If you don't recognise it's a dark time, you potentially will be a, have a victim mentality, not a disciple mentality, right? A victim mentality means you're powerless and it's all terrible and it's all about me and it's all about how I feel and it's terrible and nothing can change it. And, uh, and, and I didn't bring this on myself. I, the, the only thing I think about that is if the dark time you find yourself in is a result of you being disobedient and sinning and going against what God told you, I have no sympathy. Use that dark time to say, got it, back on track, I'm going to do as I'm told. But faith... Just put that as just a caveat, that's just the side. But if the dark time is nothing to do with your disobedience, then please recognise it. Don't be a victim, be a disciple. Because a disciple is a learner, a follower, a mover, and not sitting still and having that kind of you know, mentality of, oh, it's all terrible. So recognise it. And you may think, well, of course you recognise it. No, 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 no. It's amazing how many people go into this dark time and all they can do is moan and groan and whatever. They just think it's life now. No, 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 it's, it's a season. And you have to kind of say to them, it's a season. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember that now, yeah. Good, right? Recognise it. Second thing, embrace it. Oh. <laughs> oh, no, you can't really mean that. If God led you into this time... Then he has a purpose for that time if you are a disciple and a follower of Jesus. Right? James 1, 2 to 4. Bet you love this, don't you? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything mature and complete remember what I said about the beginning about spiritual infants and babies right when we get into struggles and dark times like this then we should look to God embrace them because this is an opportunity for God to grow you in something many of you have had to face dark times because God's had to say to you you are not in charge of your life you are a control freak pack it in I'm in control. Many of us have to face dark times because we think that we can work out our own lives and sort our own finances. So suddenly, you've lost your job. And God goes, that wasn't the source of your finance. I am. Look at me. And there are lots of things and situations we find ourselves in, in dark times, when we then come to God and he then goes, he grows us in faith and trust and relationship with him. Thirdly, so it's recognise them, embrace them. Thirdly, for goodness sake, keep walking. <laughs> keep your eyes on Jesus and keep walking. Don't settle in that dark place because you will get infected with a bad case of poor old me and self-pity plague. Don't stay there. Keep walking with Jesus. Oh, but you don't realise how terrible it is. Well, if it's that terrible, get a wiggle on. 
talk to Jesus and get walking out of it because that, he, doesn't want, he doesn't want to stay he doesn't want you to stay there for the rest of your life he wants you to learn your lesson very quickly to grow up into whatever he's got planned for you because you're going to need it in the future and he wants to walk you through it even though in Psalms it says and we're walking even though you at the moment we walk through the valley of the shadow of death we fear no evil we walk through the, hear me, through the valley of the shadow of death. We will mourn on Thursday the loss of dad. Of course we will. But we're not going to set up camp in the, oh, he's gone, it's going to be terrible, whatever. We miss him. But we're walking because we're walking to a future yeah. where he is, where we're going to be with him. Don't set up camp in the dark, difficult times and get infected with the plague of self-pity. For goodness sake, get your eyes on Jesus, keep walking. If you camp there, it's your fault. God's not intending you to camp there. He's intending you to walk. Maybe you need some help, which is my fourth thing. Seek out support and help. If you are incapable in your dark time of finding a bit of glimmer of light or knowing where to put the next step or crying out to God for goodness sake get some help firstly get some help from God dig deeper into him personally hear from him yourself that way you'll get most out of the dark time but also secondly get some support and encouragement from others choose those who will talk sense and honestly to you and encourage you out of there most of you, if you've come and made an appointment with me about something, I'm probably the last resort. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll get told off for that when I get up there. But anyway. Because you know, I'm going to ask you some pretty hard questions. Well, why are you in this situation? And secondly, my favourite one is... What has God said about it? Absolutely. What has God said about it? And if your answer to me is, oh, I don't know, I haven't asked him. Okay, well, I'll give you a week. We'll make an appointment and then you come back and tell me what he said. Because I'm not going to spoon feed you and tell you what I think God says going to say in your situation. Right? Yeah. Get some help. But I, I will tell you, if God tells me anything, I will tell you honestly what he said. I'll tell you a story then, but that's probably... I shouldn't tell you that. Right, okay. <laughs> he's t- I'll tell you what, he's told me some pretty off-the-wall things when people have been to me and said, oh, I've got this problem. And I go, God goes... And I went, you're seriously not... I tell you, come on. Okay. Boom. This person goes, ah! <laughs> right, okay. Well, that just proves to you that God is so serious about you getting yourself sorted out that he's just told me what you're hiding. And if you want to be free, stop hiding. Stop hiding that rubbish. Bring it all into the light. Get forgiven and walk on. So please choose someone who's not going to go, oh, there, there, it's really... I mean, you need a hug, right? But if that's all they're going to do, oh, there, it's terrible, isn't it, this dark time you're in? I don't know what you've done to deserve it. You know, people like you shouldn't go, what you do for God? Why has this happened to you? Oh, it's so terrible. What about all those scriptures that said, blessed this and happy the other? Oh, no, you're very sad and you should be very sad. That's not helpful. Okay, I I do. uh, Oh, come on, I'm hard, aren't I? I'm honest. But I do give you a... 
a hug, and I tell you, I I met someone this week and had to say some stuff, and at the end of it, I said, you do know why I'm saying this, don't you? I love you, and you need to wake up and see this. And I love you enough to risk what you think about me. And that's, that's it. That's just it. So fine, if you're going to have someone who's going to walk with you, find someone who will tell you the truth and support you and be honest with you. And then when you're out of that dark time, you can rejoice together. Okay, so dark times will come, guys. Well, isn't this an uplifting sermon? <laughs> dark times will come. If they don't... Your faith is not growing as fast as it should. Now, I'm not suggesting you pray, God, please give me a dark time. <laughs> but you know what happens when you pray for patience, don't you? You get put in trial to grow your patience, okay? So I'm not saying, unless you kind of think you're a bit bored and you're up for a challenge, God, give me a dark time. I'm not saying that because, you know, you can do that if you're stupid. But um, God, God is in charge of your discipleship. So you just stick close to him, follow him, and when the dark times come, you go, here we are, we've got one, we've got one. Right, how am I going to grow? What am I going to learn from this? Then don't, do you know what? Don't be afraid of the dark. Don't be afraid of the dark. Because God has got you, and he's promised never to leave you, and to always be working things out for your best future Romans 8 28 if you go through dark times it's not because God's bored and thinks oh I'll pick on you today I'll dump you in that situation no 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 never if you look, if you read Peter uh, James and stuff he always saying that he's putting you through testing times because he a knows that you can cope with them and b knows that you're going to grow through them and he loves you enough to do both of those Right, So he will never leave you and forsake you. He will always be working things out for your own good. Trust him when it goes dark. Let's pray. Jesus, we are really grateful that you volunteered to come because our salvation depended on it. But we're also grateful that the scripture tells us you were tempted as a man like we are. And from scripture today, we can see you went through the worst, darkest time than we will ever, ever be asked to face. And we thank you that you know what we're going through when we go through dark times. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, right now, anyone that's in a dark time, that God, you'll bring your revelation and understanding. you cause them to grow. you cause them to walk on. And you'll cause them to be stronger. And we pray that the next time you lead us into a dark time, God, that we will, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to remind us of this sermon so that we won't be a victim, we'll be a disciple and we will trust you. God, our church has been through some dark times, as in we ain't got the finance for this or they're threatening to steal our porter cabin offers and things like that, and worse things. But God, we're saying as a church, we want to grow stronger, we want to trust you more. We want you to take us further. We want to walk on with you. And God, we pray that you will do all of that because we love you. We dedicate our lives to you. And we're excited about what you're growing 
in us and in our, in our personal lives and in our church. Amen. So if you're going through a dark time and I've just completely upset you and you're really cross with me, go get me a coffee, milk, no sugar. Bring it to me and we'll sit and have a chat about it, right? But there you go, guys. We can grow in dark times.